Well, well, welcome to Between Sundays. I'm Tyler, and today we're visiting the living room of the high priest to see what's going on. Probably nothing exciting. Barry's here to take us to the scene of Jesus's trial, but before we tamper with witnesses and tear our clothing in horror, now that they've tilted the scales of justice in their favor, let's welcome in our favorite chaos beasts, Marin and Barry. Good day, guys. Good day. Good day. Good day. How are you? Good. How are you guys doing? All right. We're making marginal improvements to our audio quality every every week. Yeah, yeah. we're uh I got my I got my sounds back. I can hear you through my computer. I'm recording on this like little spaceship <laughs> handheld thing. You guys are recording your audio. I'm screencasting my whole screen so that people can watch us on Facebook. I've got it's too complicated. I'm sure this can be easier. <laughs> There's got to be a way. But for right now, it is it my, is not. Well, my so. office now is this nest of just wires and cameras and connectors and because uh, I'm trying, we're trying to move to this new um, this new way of doing our prayer gatherings, and I'm kind of yeah. a guinea pig for it. So uh, basically, we're going to be doing like live streaming from on the Grace live stream, but from our houses, and we'll be able to not this week, but eventually we'll start shifting. Um, we'll be able to have like, and now going live to Marin, who's going to sing us a song from her living room. And, you know, and then it'll, that'll be cool. And now we'll bring in, in, you know, this person to interview them as a part of our prayer gathering. So it'll be kind of like a, I don't know. It'll be kind of like, I'll, I'll end up being like sort of hosting for mission control. And can I tell you the most excited thing? I, the most, the thing that's got me most excited is I actually am going to have headphones in and I will have, Oh, there's Olivia in the background, by the way, she's on the pod now. There she is. Yeah, like finally made it. Finally made the appearance in the back. Anyway, <laughs> the thing I'm most excited about is that they are going to. I'll actually have some production folks in my ear, like over Skype, who will actually be telling me, "Okay, now we're going to this and call calling this shot." So I'm going to feel like oh, an cool. official broadcaster. It's going to be really cool. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to. Awesome. I'm going to need access to that so I can uh, be in your ear doing <laughs> stuff like this. You're a grown-up boy. You guys can't hear that, but the, the, the friends of the pod can totally hear that. Talk to me about ease of use. If I'm going to have to set this up in my home, like, you know, my technological, like, ineptability. Like, yeah. do you think that I will be able to even, like, use whatever word it is we're I talking think, about? I think so. I think... I mean, worst case scenario, you'll have to install a program and just do the things they tell you to do. Type in this number here, do this thing, and oh. then hit this button, and then you'll be good to go. Uh, Lost me at install. Great. <laughs> that's if we just want to use your webcam, but if we want to get you set up with like a nice camera and stuff, that that's a whole other uh, whole other deal. Mm -mm. I know that's mm -mm. what you're excited about, though, because you love technology. <laughs> just as about as much as I love being on camera. You're right. <laughs> love it. Love it. Guys, we are in a, what is this, week three or four of coronavirus? Man. Uh, week four, I don't even, it's like, yeah, it's been a month of craziness now. What day is it? How are you guys doing? Um, <laughs> You want to go first, Marin? I just, I think the word that comes to mind is innovation. Like, it feels like every week we find new ways to do old things. Um. One thing that comes to mind right away is a, a friend um, who needs food delivered to her because she's in quarantine. Mm. And so, you know, you would think that you would do the traditional meal train or something like that. But with cross contamination and, you know, all the possibilities of something going wrong, it seems like our old standard ways of caring for one another are, are changing. So 
um, having to innovate, having to think, well, what if I brought you a bunch of freezer meals that are already sealed, you know, factory sealed, just, just new ways of doing old things. Mm-hmm. I, I just got off a shift at the care center right before I sat down to record this podcast. And every week that I've done this, they have innovated something in a way that makes the whole process more streamlined. Like Everything what? Is, what are they doing? What do they do There's a whole color coding system today that didn't exist last Wednesday when I did this shift the last time. And the day went so smoothly. Just, I feel like I never stopped moving and cars were getting filled. Trunks were getting filled to go deliver groceries. We had more deliveries than we did pickups today. And I think that's the wave of the future to try to flatten the curve. Um, More and more we're delivering groceries to people's homes and I would see volunteers even cycle through a second time. They've already taken a truck or a trunk load of groceries to somebody's house. And then they came back for more and it's just awesome. And that on a beautiful sunny day, like today, seeing like a well-oiled machine, everybody's working together. Like I'm pumped. I, yeah. it was awesome. It was awesome. How often are you there? A week? I'm there. I'm there Mondays delivering food. And then I'm there Wednesdays, um, working in the care center to fill groceries. Jed's orders. going with you now too, right? Jed is officially sort of back to work. So the oh. last two weeks, Jed has been on spring break, but he works for uh, IPS. So as of Monday, he's back on the clock. And right now it's just kind of meetings and phone calls and trying to even figure out what his role looks like in this new reality. So are you guys like sharing workspaces now? Yeah, in fact, he is on a Zoom meeting right now somewhere. Yes. <laughs> so I called him ahead of time to say, like, uh, don't hog the work? bandwidth. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Barry, you're a new dad. <laughs> sure. More like a new uncle. Um, man. You said yesterday a new landlord. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm a new horse lord. I don't know. So the, uh, <laughs> the uh, new horse uh, lord. Horse lord. Um, so if you don't know, our neighbors, one of our neighbors, Gina, she is boarding six horses in our barn, which she had an emergency need. And so we said, of course, you can you can keep them here. And so we've just loved it. We've had all these horses and we've interacted with them and had a blast. But one of them was pregnant when she brought her over. And, Rabbits uh, and Rodeo, the horse, just gave birth yesterday morning to her little baby colt named Ty and he's adorable. And I got to be the first human to, to lay eyes on him because uh, she really, yeah, she called me. Yeah, uh, we had our phones yeah. like off, do not disturb. Cause we wanted to be there. And she, she had a camera set up in there to keep an eye on him. And she said, uh, she called me that at six forty-five in the morning yesterday and said, said, it's happening. It's happening. Can you get over there and check on him? And I was like, okay. So I threw on some shoes and ran out. To the like, barn. what does she want you to do? Like just put on some gloves. Sure he's okay. Sure like, he's okay. They, they can handle it themselves, but in case, like he, and this is going to get gross. He had like a little sack around him, <laughs> around him. you know, like a little, you know, like a little I don't know what, sack. It's a, it's a sack of <laughs> something around him. And it, it's, if it's over his it's face over or something, it can help it can prevent him from breathing and it could be a problem. But he was just chilling there with this little sack over his back half. He's just sitting up looking around and, and he was fine. So I, yeah. I walked in and met Ty and then. And then she got there, you know, she healed in a moments later with, uh, you know, all the gear that she would need to make sure he was taken care of and he was fine. So he's, he's just the most adorable little thing. And so he's like one of the crew now he's, he's walking around. He's, he can, does he, does he eat normal food? 
What is well, he doing? Well, he's a mammal, so he's a uh, a mammal baby. So he's eating mother's milk is what he's eating. Yeah. He he is. What's so funny? She told me that uh, Gina said that she would that he would do this, but he mimics what his mom does, and so she eats hay off the ground, and so he'll pick up a little piece of straw and just like gum it. He doesn't even have teeth. He just gums the straw, and then like he sees her put her head in and drink some water. And so he goes and he dips his little snout in the water, but he doesn't actually yeah. drink it. It's just adorable. It's, it's like a nonstop, like cute explosion in there. So, so how much time are you spending just like watching him? Well, a day. That's what I was going to say. It, gonna everything say. right now is so weird and it just feels like twilight, like a twilight zone episode. Cause it's like, I'm working all the time but I'm never leaving this place except for rare occasions. So like I'm working, I'm like hopping onto a call. And then like yesterday I'd be like, I was in this like long meetings and then I I would take a break, run out, say hi to the horse and like, you know, go in there and pet, pet Ty and then come back in and hop on Skype again or whatever on zoom. And we'd be in another meeting. It's just, it is like a, what day is it? What light, what is the even life right now? Kind of thing. Um, All that to say, answer your question uh, as often as possible. And now it's, of course, a gorgeous day outside. Mm-hmm. We're stuck inside podcasting. So I don't know where she's going, but my wife just walked in and handed me a baby, baby monitor. monitor. <laughs> and he, he's not doing it now, but I don't know if you could see this. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Kind of. Milo, uh, when he's he, he doesn't really like enjoy taking naps anymore, but when he's in. Oh, there he is. When he's in his bed, he'll just stand up and just like start jumping on his bed because he's, he he, refuses to go to sleep. So he's just chilling in his bed, but I'm on dad duty right now while also trying to work. Oh, he's, he's trying to peek out the window, man. Oh, yeah. Good luck. If you need to run, we understand. (laughs) Did he just go down or is he just waking up? No, he's been down for like two hours. So he's done. He's just like, he hasn't gone to sleep yet. I get it. I get it. So that's what I'm doing. Uh, it's Easter it week, is. guys. Oh yeah. It is. Oh, yeah. I mean, does it even feel like it's Easter right now? I don't know what it feels like. But no, it doesn't feel like Easter. I'll I tell you that. I think the only thing that like makes Easter it feel like that is spring. Like flowers are coming up through the ground. Yeah, it's like nice out. Our dead's beloved magnolia tree finally bloomed yesterday like that's the thing that makes it feel oh yeah that's been a year in the making magnolia tree bloomed yesterday (laughs) yeah that's the only thing that makes it feel like any semblance of normal is when i look outside yeah yeah it it's such an odd thing to know that like well here's what we're doing on sunday our family the four of us are going to dress up and take pictures You're going to put on little, little, uh, baby suits and stuff. Yeah. We're going to put on like, uh, what do they call it? The seersucker <laughs> suits and probably some like salmon colored ties or something. Yeah, classic. Yeah. You got to do that. So that's what we're doing, but it feels weird to not like go anywhere, not go to church, not go out to eat with our family or not even go to their house or whatever. It just feels weird. Yeah. yeah. Are you, are you guys doing anything to make it kind of feel <laughs> normal? So our, our, Olivia's family is is planning on coming over and just like sort of um, staying far away from each other outside. Maybe like set, sitting in, in our the car trunks or whatever in a big circle and eating yeah. uh, together, but not being close to each other. Yeah. 
Sitting in your car trunks? I think so. I'm not sure exactly what the plan is, but that's the idea. I've seen more and more of that happening. Like Jed and I went to some drive-thru earlier this week. And when we came around the corner, we saw two pickup trucks that were like sort of backed up to each other. And they were just kind Uh of tailgating, like had some lawn chairs and were having a meal together in a random parking lot. Like people are finding all kinds of ways to connect, but still maintain a distance. Marin, what's your family doing? I'm actually um, on the other side of my computer that you cannot see is half of a dining room table full of Easter paraphernalia. So I've got the baskets out. I've got the Easter grass. I've done all of my Easter grocery shopping for treats for the, I say kids, for the teenagers, for the teens. Um, yeah, the teens. Gonna, um, they, they're probably listening to me right now, so I'll spoil the surprise. But we're doing an Easter egg hunt. We're going for it. You are going to take pictures of my little bunnies hopping through the yard looking for eggs. (laughs) So do your kids get into this or is it like humor mom for a little bit? A little bit of both. They're in that in between. I think Jaden, I mean, he's, he's pretty much over it, but I asked Desi the other day, my daughter's a freshman in high school. And I said, do you want to color eggs this year? Or is that kind of passe? Like you're done with that. And she's like, Oh no, I want to color eggs. So, we're kind of in the in-between. I, I usually will have my sister come visit me for Easter. And my sister has three little ones. And it's so fun to watch them go through my giant you know, yard in their dresses and look for eggs. So I think that part is making me sad. I'm grieving the, the yeah. loss of what Easter was last year compared to what Easter will be this year. But I'm just going to find a way to make it as fun as I can for my teenagers. Yeah, that's cool. I think we're doing an Easter egg hunt too, just for Milo. He he doesn't get the concept really of like hide and seek mm. yet. Uh huh. He wants to play it, but we'll be like, all right, buddy, we're going to go hide or I'm going to go hide and then he'll go hide or I'll say, all right, I'm going to come find you. And then he'll go hide for about five seconds and he'll be like, here I am. And so I'm not sure he'll get the concept of like hidden eggs and I got to go find them and I I got to like take time to do that Look for these things. There's candy inside. I think he'll probably figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we're still doing services at grace this weekend. Yes. And, uh, what, what should people expect? I know everybody's kind of on the, uh, having the expectation of this is going to be online, but are we doing anything to make Easter memorable, like a memorable experience no. beyond just everybody watching it at home? What are we, we doing? Are. Of course we're doing. We're doing we're, what are we going to do? What can people expect? I don't know anything. Everything in our power in this strange new reality to make Easter and Good Friday as beautiful and meaningful. And it'll be memorable no matter what, just given circumstances. Yeah. But um, I was blessed enough to be part of both our Easter service as well as our Good Friday service. And I'm really excited about both of them because, you know, I submit my end of it and do the music thing, but I can't wait to see how it all comes together, especially Good Friday. Um, I mean, I'm excited about both of them, but Good Friday is more of a mystery to me um, because I was only asked to do a certain thing. I did that certain thing and I know that a bunch of other people were involved doing their awesome thing. And all of those pieces from people's homes are getting put together. And I am so excited. I can't wait. I want to like set the mood in my home. 
have communion ready. Oh yeah, light some candles. Have communion ready to be able to take communion with my family. Like it's going to be really special. I don't know if you can tell how excited I am about that, but I really am. Like <laughs> it, awesome. will, it will without a doubt be one of the most, if not the most memorable Good Fridays we've ever had as a family. I'm really excited about it. Whoa. Oh yeah, totally. Oh yeah. We've had a lot of good That's really cool. Well, that's uh, cool. I, I got to be involved in actually filming one portion of the Good Friday service. I mean, no one's going to know or you'll probably be able to figure it out which part I filmed, but I got to actually like set up and do some audio recording. I felt like a, a total amateur uh, technician. It was really fun. Um, Wait, how would people know it's you? By the person that I was filming? Probably. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. No, I know what you're talking about. No spoilers. I'm no not spoilers. saying anymore. You'll figure it out. Uh, all right. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I know a lot of, uh, hopefully somebody who is more technologically advanced has taken care of all these elements than me, because if it was up to me trying to get everybody coordinated technologically, like it'd be a, some kind of weird version of what we're doing right now. <laughs> yeah. No, it's so hopefully cool. somebody's got I think it under that control. Goes back to and that innovation that I've been talking about. We've, as our different teams, production teams and worship arts teams and every team, student ministries team. Oh, I have to give a shout out to student ministries. This innovation thing, you know, merge has still been happening. Our, our uh, high school ministry, both my kids are part of that. And every Sunday night, they have a Zoom meeting with their small group. They get a lesson, all that. And it's really cool because my husband's a small group leader. Both of my teenagers are in separate small groups. And so I'm essentially like abandoned on Sunday nights. My family finds <laughs> my husband's usually out by the fire pit and my daughter's in her bedroom and my son's in his bedroom and they're having their connection time with their small group at Grace. Well, they played some game this week that I don't know what it was. All I know is I'm in the kitchen minding my business and my son comes tearing through the house like something's on fire. Like he is running through the house. And I turn and I'm like, <laughs> Were there worms on the sidewalk? Are you okay? And he ignored me completely. And then I saw him take his phone and like hold it up to something in the pantry. And he's like, okay, I got it. I got it. And then I realized they were doing like a scavenger hunt. (laughs) And my son like was just having all of the fun that he probably would normally have at a merge you know, gathering on a Sunday night. Merge was doing a scavenger hunt. Merge was doing a scavenger hunt. And my son in the middle of this like miserable quarantine was smiling and laughing and having fun and running through the house. And I was just like, yeah, I I really wanted to give a shout out. That's probably a better use of his time than uh, taking pictures of Desi with her (laughs) stuffed animal at the park. I told you. I told you. I told you when this quarantine first started that Desi got an Instagram and now, you know, all bets are off. What they're going to come up with? What was this? Some sort of a. Some sort of. She a said she met somebody. She said she met somebody at the park, and it's just her, and I think a chicken, it's like a, a stuffed, it's a, it's like a, a stuffed duck. animal. It's a, it's a chick. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, baby duck, and it's just like a photo shoot with her and this baby duck, and then all of a sudden, Jaden's got the baby duck on his shoulders, and they spent an entire. <laughs> it was a beautiful day like today, sunny, blue skies, and they spent the whole day outside just taking random pictures the sillier the better and i yeah, don't so care fun. as long as they're outside having fun like it was funny yeah and then one time she she was 
posing with a chair, like on the roof. That I wasn't too thrilled about. (laughs) She got on the roof and somebody took a picture of her (laughs) with a chair. Tyler, your child will be old enough to go into the garage, get a ladder, carry it out. He's probably in there right now. (laughs) Check, check. He's still standing in his bed. (laughs) It, It keeps being like, okay, new rule. You're not allowed to sit on top of the shed with our lawn chairs. New rule. Yeah. Got to got to put that yeah, on paper. Yeah. But anyway, I digress. Uh, innovation. You know, Merge is figuring out how to do it. Yeah. They're engaging our yeah. kids. And on our end with uh, production and with worship arts and with these services we're still having every weekend, as well as um, the prayer gatherings and all of that. It's just innovation. Y'all can pray for us. We're trying to figure out how to do this the best way we can in this reality. Yeah, that's cool. And the good news is, in the midst of all of this, all the new technology that we're doing, all the new processes we're figuring out, this is all stuff that we'll be able to utilize when things get back to normal. I mean, I'll, I, it, I'm not going to stop doing live streaming stuff because that seems like it's becoming more and more a part of my job. And so it'll be cool to be able to do it at a much higher quality and much better consistency and all that. So, uh, yeah. Oh, what do we got? What's he doing now? <laughs> is he trying to jailbreak? <laughs> If you're if you're listening, this isn't going to be nearly as entertaining as watching Milo hanging off the uh, edges of yeah, his bed. He's just hanging off the side Not of his bed. Seriously, he is safely in his bed. Yeah, he's inside. If that was dead, he would have been out. Yeah, yeah, you're downstairs. right, Barry. Um, when I joined staff a couple years ago, I don't know what was it like six or seven years ago now. Yeah. Um, I came from an industry like marketing and advertising and. Um, found out that church technologically is usually like five years behind, like where everybody else kind of in the world is technologically and like understanding and using technology and day-to-day stuff. But this is kind of forcing us to, to catch up a little bit. And so we're going to be able to use this, what we're learning right now, whether there's coronavirus or not. Yeah. And internally too, it's helping. I mean, it's forcing us to do some stuff, even just to operate as a team that we would have been at least a few years before rolling out, like even use, utilizing Microsoft Teams. Anybody who, yeah. who we know works in a, probably a big organization is familiar with that. But that was something we thought, okay, someday we're going to get to that where we're going to have this one unified way to communicate. And now it's just, that's just how we do it now. And uh, we have to, so it's great. Have there been yeah. things outside of work that you've had to innovate because of this? For example, it's, it's Easter, right? I need a haircut like so many others who are suffering. Oh, I yeah. cut my own hair. That was an innovation. Ooh, me too. Re- <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the way that your head is yeah, I just on cut all my hair off. It almost looks like you're bald on top the way that the screen cut you off on mine. <laughs> <laughs> innovation. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know that I've had to innovate that much because like, I don't know. I'm most of the stuff I do that's not work is stuff that I was already doing, like working in the wood shop and caring for the animals and taking care of the property and all that. Oh, by the way, real quick update. Remember how I used to talk all about permaculture and all the plants and stuff, but then it got into winter and I stopped talking about all that. Well, I was just out there and like 90% of the plants that I planted in the fall are all sprouting and, and uh, growing. And so get ready because I'm about, I'm about to keep talking about permaculture. So. <laughs> oh, <laughs> great. I know Tyler's fun. That's <laughs> his favorite topic. Uh, yeah, we're actually, uh, we're actually, we're not doing permaculture, but we're, we're doing the, uh, 
what do you call it? Compost. Because oh, yeah. we, we have a shed out back that serves as a greenhouse. And Lauren is like ready to yes. go with that greenhouse. And so I had to clean it all out the other week and she's got a bunch of plants in there and she's doing composting. We bought a bunch of compost bins and she's, awesome. she's on it. So we're, we're, we're in, we're in. I got a couple of herbs growing. I got my chives, my basil, some parsley, and I'm working on tomatoes. Did you start them from seed or did you buy them? Yeah. Oh, Mm -hmm. nice. Nice. Anyway. All right. So let's switch topics. Let's go to the sermon. Okay. Uh, We are in our, I don't know, who knows what week we're even in. We're in week four. Week four. That's week correct. Four. Week, we're we're finishing up uh, week four of our sermon series in the moment, where we're going through the uh, the the Easter. We're heading toward Easter through the eyes of Peter. And so, Barry, you gave the sermon this past weekend. Um, so, for anybody who may have missed it or hasn't seen it yet, can you please kind of give us a, an idea of what the big idea or what you wanted to communicate last weekend? Yeah. Um, so the scene that I was talking about is the scene of Peter at outside uh, the beginning of the trial of Jesus, where Jesus is at the high priest's house and he's being kind of put on trial. They're looking for an excuse to put him to death. And uh, he's Peter is out in the courtyard and he basically, this is the place where he denies Jesus three times. And um, by looking at what was going on in the story, specifically in Matthew's gospel, um, I made the point that in a sense, Peter's trial, quote unquote, trial was being contrasted with Jesus's trial and the way that they both responded uh, to what they were being accused of and all of that stuff was so different and so important to notice. And so all that to say, it was about the fact that Jesus ultimately was willing to set aside his own self-interest uh, and sacrifice himself, whereas Peter was trying to save his own skin. And uh, he was doing that because he misunderstood the the basic framework of what the kingdom of God really is. He didn't understand that the Messiah uh, will will attain power by giving up power. He didn't understand that the path to um, to sitting on the throne was by uh, going to the cross. And so uh, anyway, ultimately, though, Peter did figure this out after the resurrection. And I talk a little bit about that. Um, he ended up being willing to self-sacrifice and he ended up even being crucified according to church, church tradition. Um, but all that to say the, the, the big idea was, was that the, Jesus is the king of an upside down kingdom. And we are being invited just as Peter was um, to, if we're going to follow him to give up our life, to set us to carry our cross, to die to ourselves. Um, and by doing that, uh, finding the true life and power and authority that comes through, through Christ. So um, in the context of coronavirus, I, I threw out a couple ideas of what that could look like, including things like choosing to, uh, well, we can talk about the, the applications later, but basically choosing to set aside our own interests uh, for the sake of others and choosing to look, look out for um, what others need rather than simply looking to our own needs. So um, that's basically where I went with the, with the pass- passage. And if you wanted to, we could dive into a lot more of the details of the actual trial because the stuff that came out of that regarding like the book of Daniel, Daniel 7, I think it's really important to understanding Jesus so we can get into all that. But essentially the, the big idea was if you want to follow Jesus, you got to die to yourself. It's, it's, about self, um, it's about self-denial, not self-preservation. 
Okay. So the first, let's go back to the, to the beginning. The first part, the first scene that you cast takes place at the high priest's house, right? Yes. And this guy's name was Caiaphas. Yes. Caiaphas, yes, the high priest. Was it, was it normal for trials to happen at his house? You know, I just in his living room or something. I'm not, I'm not sure. sure. There is a place that the Sanhedrin, the, like the, the ruling people would meet. They had their own little council place. My guess is based on what I, what I've studied is that this was more of a, um, spur of the moment kind of thing where it's, they, you know, all the people brought him to the high priest's house and then, um, we don't know for sure, but it seems as if the other religious leaders were kind of showing up as they got the word that this was happening, showing up throughout the night. Um, and this would have probably gone all night. This started, you know, maybe who knows, 11 p.m. or midnight or something, and then goes all the way until the morning. Um, and so I, I, the idea is I think it's more of like a, an impromptu kind of trial, uh, but I, I could be wrong about that. So they were looking f- for a reason to kill him before the trial even started, right? Well, yeah. They, so they knew they wanted to put him to the death, to put him to death because he had been such a threat to them and he was constantly calling them out. He was constantly, uh, Jesus was constantly just, um, you know, questioning their authority and, and he was basically being a prophet and biblical prophets are never really welcomed in their own time. They're always, you know, they're always a real threat to everyone else. And um, so they were looking for a reason to put him to death, but they had to find two witnesses that would agree and have the same story so that they could go to the Roman governor and say, these two people, this, they're the witnesses to prove that this guy did this thing. So you can put him to death. And they had a hard time with that because everybody was telling conflicting narratives. They were, they were, you know, one person was saying this, another person was saying this, their stories didn't line up. And so finally they landed on this one thing that Jesus had said, which I believe they misquoted or misinterpreted what he said. Uh, in, in the gospel of John, he says something, he's talking to the religious leaders and he says, look, if you destroy this temple, I can rebuild it in three days. And he's talking about his own body. He's talking about resurrection, but somehow they took that and they said at the trial, they said, this man said that he was going to destroy the temple and that he would rebuild it in three days. Um, and so basically implying that he, he thinks he's got authority over the temple, but only the Messiah has that kind of authority. And so then the high priest asks, asks him, all right, this is what they've, they've proven that you said this. So what do you say about it? And instead of answering it, Jesus says, well, you're going to see the son of man uh, coming on the clouds of heaven and sitting in the place of power. And it's like, and then everybody freaks out and the high priest starts tearing his clothes. And it's just this, this huge dramatic moment. And all because Jesus quoted Daniel seven and essentially implied that he was the son of man. He was the one who is able to have the authority of Yahweh, who's able to sit on Yahweh's throne. And so anyway, yeah, it's a lot of complicated references and things like that, but that's essentially what was going on. If you're going to do a conspiracy, it wouldn't you like try to get your story straight before stuff goes down like wouldn't you try to be like all right you two you're gonna say this <laughs> right when we bring you forward you're gonna say this right but instead they they like didn't think about it or something i wonder if there was some sense that they're like well we can't lie because lying literally one of the ten women can't lie to get don't to try to murder this guy if you remember our, our my sermon a little bit ago about the ten commandments the bearing false witness was specifically in trials 
So they can't they can't bear false false witness without breaking one of the Ten Commandments. And they're the religious leaders of Israel trying to get Israel to be, uh, you know, obeying the law. So I think it really was it came down to they had to find honest testimony that agreed that was something bad enough Officer, to put him to death. Yeah. Always a loophole, this was the best they know? could do. You know always what else is in the Ten Commandments? Don't murder. <laughs> Don't murder, right? Don't murder, and so right. they're like, "Well, we have to find him. We're not going to murder him. We're just going to take him to the Romans, and the Romans will murder him." <laughs> Again, always a loophole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They were good at that. They were good at that. Um. Okay, so a couple dudes come forward. They say Jesus said he would destroy the temple, but you're you're pointing out that he really kind of never even said that. I, well, we don't have. It's possible that he did. We just don't have a reference of it in, in the Gospels. And the only reference we do have it in the Gospels is in the Gospel of John, not in the Gospel of Matthew, where they point this out. So uh, we just don't know. Yeah. And please, please correct. Please correct my uh, mental image of what happened when Jesus calls himself the son of man and Caiaphas is just like, ah! Yeah, <laughs> like just ripping his out. shirt like Hulk Hogan. Like what? What? What more realistically happened? Because that's what that's the picture in my mind. So, tearing clothes was a thing that you did to say what is what I am witnessing right now is such an abomination to me that these clothes, this this these clothing items I'm wearing have now become polluted with with what is so awful in front of me. And so the law or not the law, but the tradition was that once you tore your clothes, you couldn't use them again. So they were essentially saying this tunic, my favorite tunic, tunic. what you just did was so (laughs) abhorrent to me that I don't even want my favorite tunic to be associated with what you just said. So it's this like ultra, ultra dramatic act, which I don't know. It sounds like it's the kind of act you would really save. Like for yeah for the most important yeah. moment, you don't just want to go tear in your tunic every day. You wouldn't do no, it over no, just tunics nothing. are expensive. So he really like yeah. saved it up. Yeah, I think so, and I I think yeah, it's it's I'm just feeling extremely over the top. It kind of cracks me up, but. The best part about you guys not hearing any of these sound effects is that there's no reaction whatsoever. You have no idea if I'm playing them or not. Which one did you do? I didn't hear it. Oh, I've done a lot. Oh, really? I've done Are a lot. Are we just talking Great. over them? Is it just talking like apps? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. I yeah. tear my clothes. I just played the uh, I'm feeling aggressive when we were talking about ripping oh. the... That's a good one. <laughs> Someday you're going to figure out how, right. to, how to have us hear those. It's going to be so great. Next week. <laughs> Um, okay, so why you said Jesus, you point out Jesus does not defend himself. Why right. do you think he he never even like tried to clear things up? Like, guys, I never said I was going to destroy the temple. I said I would re- like, why didn't he ever like not defend himself? But why didn't he ever like clear things up? Well, I think in my opinion, I think he understood what was happening and he understood his role in all of it. Um, the prophet Isaiah prophesied that the the suffering servant would you know be led like a sheep to the slaughter and yet he did not open his mouth that was the the prophecy and i think jesus understood that in his uh role if he is to be the the atoning sacrifice for humanity the the die is cast he is just along for the ride at this point i mean he already had his prayer in the garden where he essentially said one last time to to god to his father he said if this cup can be taken from me like, so be it. But, but if not, then whatever your will is, is, is my will. I want your will to be done. And so that's, I think at this point he had his answer and he said, okay, I'm, I'm just going to go for it and let, we'll let what happens happen. Um, 
And I think it comes from a spirit of self-sacrifice. He understood that um, to save his life is to lose it and to lose his life for the, for the gospel is to, is to bring salvation. So he was willing to do that. I think that's one of the hardest parts of the story for me. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, whatever depiction it is of this moment in scripture, it's the moment where my heart cries out, like, ah, say something, you know, I mean, just right. Yeah. Yeah. To be so submitted to the father, even unto death to the point where you don't even open your mouth to say a single word in your own defense. Um, that's something I don't think that I can relate to because I would definitely be yeah. crying out, wait, wait, that's not what I meant <laughs> or, or whatever. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I've always wrestled with that particular, particular part of the story. Yeah. And he does say a few things in some of the other gospels, a, a few extra words here and there, but in Matthew, I mentioned this in the sermon in Matthew, the words that he said that led to the high priest tearing his clothes, those are the last things he says, except for two Greek words. When he, he says to the high priest, you have said it. And he says to um, Pilate, the Roman governor, he says, you have said it. When he says, so tell me, are you the king of the Jews? He says, you, you, you have said it. Other than that, he doesn't say anything else in, in Matthew until his last cry on the cross. And so Matthew's making sure to point this out. I mean, I, I think he's making a very clear point that Jesus is not opening his mouth. He's not putting up a fight. So yeah, I, but I agree with you. It's like you, you watch it and, and it's like, it's just out of, it's out of your control. And you're like, just do something, say something. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to fight it. And what it does though, it, is it, it really highlights how quickly Peter puts up a fight because he's, you know, yeah. they're like, Hey, weren't you with that guy? And like, who knows? They weren't necessarily even accusing him of anything. He's like, I don't even know him. What do you get away from me? I don't, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just, he goes so quickly to, to defense. He's immediately, immediately fighting back. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of what I want to talk about next is that you say Matthew does this very purposely where he's like juxtaposing what Jesus and his response and his situation with Peter, who's, who's there, right? He's like right. outside. Right. And we don't know. I mean, we don't know how much he was able to even hear of the trial going on inside or what he may have just been out there waiting for news. It's possible in my imagination it he's out there with a bunch of people. There's a whole crowd of people just wondering what's going on. Um, the, the reason I think this, sorry, when I was in India, um, I had a very unique India to me is like in many ways, it's what the ancient Near East must have felt like the, the sort of the mentality of, of um, crowds and people um, often there would be, if there was anybody with a loudspeaker, there'd be a crowd just to find out what was going on. And it was just like, there's just people everywhere. And so I would imagine even if it was the middle of the night, the hubbub was something's going on. And so I can imagine a whole crowd of people sitting out in the courtyard and I can imagine some, you know, someone coming in, giving the play by play, run, running back out saying like, no, they, they said that, that this was what he did, but then they did. Someone else said, contradicted it, yeah, yeah, looking yeah. For, you know, looking so I'm sure he's getting the play by play out there, sitting around the fire with everyone else. Um, that's, that's my imagination, at least. Um, what was the question? You asked a question. I can't remember. <laughs> no, I, I was just pointing out that you did, you, you said Matthew did this very deliberately. Oh yeah. Do you think, so the question is, my question is, do you think he did this to make Peter look bad or do you think he did this to make Jesus look good? I don't think he's trying to make Peter look bad. I just think what he's doing is he's contrasting 
and this is again, this is my take on it. I could be, this might not have been what he had in mind, but I, I think he's contrasting what does self-denial look like? What does self-preservation look like? And, um, and again, Peter had just like hours before he was on the way to the garden of Gethsemane going on and on about, even if everyone else denies you, I never will. Like he was pounding his chest, all the bravado. And so to see him so quickly crumble, I think Matthew's intentionally showing us he's highlighting the resolve of Jesus and the, the willingness to sacrifice of Jesus with the, how, with the, you know, the absolutely hollow bravado of Peter. And I think, I think, I don't know that he's necessarily trying to do it to condemn Peter or anything like that. I think he's just doing it to show, hmm. to showcase how different their two re- reactions were. I'm thinking right now about one of the names of, of Jesus being the Prince of Peace. I'm thinking hmm. about his response to chaos juxtaposed against Peter's response to chaos and how in the yeah. garden, you know, Peter goes straight to anger, straight to defense, chops off a guy's ear and then denies Christ and, and does so, so vehemently he's trying to distance himself from even being associated with Jesus as, as much as he can. And as strongly as he can, his response to chaos was always reactionary and yeah. um, kind of hot headed where Jesus's response to the chaos all around him was always peace. Yeah. 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 Um, how how far removed was this incident from when Jesus called Peter Satan? We don't know exactly, but it would have been, uh, oh, I should have looked this up. I, I don't know for sure, but it would have been before he came to Jerusalem. He was still in Galilee um, with his disciples. So at the very least, it would have been, I don't know, a week or two, but it's probably more, probably more months, maybe even a year beforehand. <laughs> So if I'm putting myself in Peter's shoes and I've been traveling around with this guy for three years and then a week before this happens, he calls me Satan. I'd be like, no, I don't know. I don't know him. Get him out. I don't know. (laughs) Well, yeah. But you said uh, when, when Peter was calling Jesus the Messiah at that point, you said that Jesus calls him Satan because he, he knows Peter doesn't have a clear understanding of what Messiah means. Um, and he wasn't going to be the type of Messiah that Peter expected. Uh, yeah. So do you feel, I don't know. Cause when Jesus first meets Peter to that point, shouldn't Peter have had a better understanding of what the, (laughs) what Jesus was talking about when he talked about Messiah? You'd think so. I, I'm honestly, I am baffled a little bit that it took them so long to figure this out. <laughs> yeah. But I just but think, I just think, I don't know. Like I I've mean, been with you guys for like two and a half years, once a week. And I feel like I know the ins and outs of all of you. <laughs> I just everything think, about you guys, Marin only 40%, but Barry, I know everything. <laughs> I just think they're okay. Potentially these guys are teenagers. Jesus is constantly teaching in parables and riddles and he's using metaphors yeah. and analogies to talk about truth. And I just, and like, literally like he's, I, he's saying, all right, this is my body. This is my blood. Eat this. And you're one with him. It's like, <laughs> yeah. if I was them, I would have been like, Oh, okay. No, what? I'm not eating that. This is weird. Yeah. Like, I don't think they, I don't think they necessarily were tracking with all of it. They just knew I'm on the inside crew with a really powerful man. Really powerful man. 
this guy's yeah. healing people. He's the Messiah. And I mean, we, we have literally the, I think this was like within the week before where um, James and John, their mom is asking whether they can sit on the right hand of Jesus when he right. comes into his kingdom. They're like, look, when you're the king and you're ruling in Jerusalem, can these guys be your chief advisors? Like, so even then, like a week before the crucifixion, there's still some kind of disconnect in people's mind. Yeah. Um, Maybe they thought the whole, all this stuff about dying and rising again on the third day was some kind of analogy or some kind of metaphor for, I mean, who well, knows? I, so, I think what makes yeah. me better than them? You know, why do, why, yeah. why do I think no, that nothing. I get it? I wonder if Jesus would say to me what he said to them on a few different occasions. How long have I been with you, Marin? How long have I been with you and you <laughs> yeah, still right. don't understand? Yeah. yeah. For humans. Yeah, totally. Um, okay, so... I do want to spend just a moment um, giving you guys just a minute to talk about the son of man, the idea of the son of man and Daniel seven and all that stuff. Sure. Sure. Oh, so go for it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, go for it. All right, cool. Um, Yeah, this is some really cool stuff. One of the things I did not know this until recently in my life, I never really understood why, but one of the absolute, well, not one of the favorite way for Jesus to refer to himself in the gospels is the son of man. He doesn't really refer to himself much as the Messiah. He doesn't really refer to himself as the son of God, even very much. He refers to himself as the son of man, which is a reference to Daniel seven. This really weird, you know how revelation is the, the genre of scripture is called apocalypse. That's the, the genre. Uh, well, that's also the genre of Daniel seven. It's an apocalypse. It's this, this prophetic vision, which just like revelation has all kinds of weird stuff. There's beasts, you know, weird beasts made up of different kinds of animals and like chaos talking, beasts talking horns and it's very strange stuff yeah and, and i i call chaos them chaos, chaos. Yeah, that's chaos what I call yeah because that that's what i i mean that's what they are they're like the servants of chaos and they're they're just sowing death and destruction in the world and horse lords they're yeah they're, they're horse lords and everything and um and in, the, and in daniel 7 um daniel's watching all of this and he's you know I can imagine feeling this, this crazy despair of like, oh my gosh, like evil is taking over the world. And then uh, at the beginning of the vision, he sees that these thrones, plural, are set up in Yahweh's presence. So this is like, th- that's weird because there's only one king. There's only Yahweh is the king, but there's thrones set up and thrones are where rulers sit to rule and judge. And so after seeing all these chaos beasts wreaking all this havoc, he sees one like a son of man, one who looks like a human who is coming on the clouds mm. of heaven, which by the way, is actually a reference to uh, ascending, not descending, but whatever uh, the people look at that as descending, but it's actually coming on the clouds. of heaven. He's, he's ascending the clouds of heaven and he takes his seat on one of those thrones, which the implication is that he is one who is actually worthy to sit on the throne of Yahweh, a human who's worthy to have the authority of the God of the universe, which it's just a wild image. And it's this, it's this, this almost little hint that you get these little, little, this drip fed throughout the whole old Testament. It's this idea that there is going to be someday a, a new Adam, a new human who can actually fulfill what every person that was meant to be that uh, has not been able to fulfill yet. Moses got real close, but he was a failure. Abraham got pretty close. He was a failure. Adam, he failed. It was like 
when are we going to get this human who actually lives the way that God intends? Because the whole story is that God wants to share his authority with humanity. That was why we were put on the, in the garden in the first place. And yet none have been worthy because we all end up siding with chaos and death and not with, with Yahweh's intentions. So it's this, it's this heart cry of Israel that someday a human will come who will, will be worthy to sit on the throne. And over time, this got fused with messianic prophecies and all these different ideas began to kind of co- coalesce into one person, the Messiah, the promised king, the anointed one who would finally be able to, um, to sit on this throne. So all that to say, Jesus referred to himself as the son of man. And, uh, and he's told the high priest in that trial, you're going to see the son of man. But I think in, in implication, you're going to see me rising on the clouds of heaven and sitting on the throne of Yahweh, which is like, Okay, yeah. like, that's, that's how you make <laughs> yeah. the high priest with his clothes because that is blasphemy. Like, unless yeah. you actually are that person, that is blasphemy. So, um, wow, yeah, yeah. I've always been, I've always been curious and confused about what son of man meant. So when you yeah. were talking about that, it just kind of blew my mind. Yeah. yeah, and so yeah. Anyway, so that that's that's what's behind that, and um, and and again. Even that, I, I imagine the disciples hearing that son of man, they're thinking like, oh yeah, he's going to, this is going to be the guy who rises on the throne. He's going to defeat all the beasts and the chaos. And he's going to, he's going to be the Messiah that, that ends up bringing Israel yeah. back to power. Yeah. And, 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 and yet what we see is the, exactly the opposite of their expectations. Right. He does rise to the power, just does rise to power, but he does it through self-sacrifice. And that's probably and, why they couldn't recognize it. Because everything you just totally. quoted sounds so triumphant and victorious yes. and grand. And he, we always talk about that upside down kingdom where he mm-hmm. was not about the grand, the outward show of triumph and, and victory, but through self-sacrifice and servanthood and right. making himself right. the lowest. I think just to back up a little bit, when I think of like somebody, somebody coming to the high priest and saying, yeah, I'm that guy. Like it would have been easy to laugh him off as like insane. Like, oh, he, right. he's just crazy. Yeah. But I think it's important to remember that Christ had such a large following that there were masses yes. of people behind him. And that's why he was a threat. It wasn't just some random guy claiming to be the Messiah. Oh, he's just the town lunatic. Mm, yeah. He had so much influence and that threatened, that's good that to remember. threatened the authority. Yeah. And there were constantly uprisings by people claiming to be the Messiah in Israel at this time. And they'd be put down violently by the Romans. The Romans would crack down on the aristocracy in Jerusalem because those, those pesky Jewish people were always putting up. So they wanted order and stability and they still wanted to have the favor of Rome. So there was a political risk at having someone claim to be the Messiah as well. It was all, yeah, it was a major issue. Um, yeah. And, and again, it's important to remember t- Tim kind of talked about this when he was talking about Judas, but most of the disciples and Jesus himself came from backwoods Galilee. And so he's this, he's this preacher. I read at one uh, uh, commentary I read for this message called him a, a, uh, a preacher from a, a village preacher from Galilee of questionable orthodoxy. <laughs> and that's the person who's claiming to be the son of man. And yeah. So <laughs> So the the ultimate message you were you were trying to paint the difference between how Jesus was responding in the middle yes. of his trial and the trial that 
essentially Peter was on and how he was responding. The, the idea of self-preservation versus self-denial and, um, you're, you're challenging Grace Church and all of us to, to practice self-denial. Um, and in the middle of coronavirus, you kind of gave a list of how we might think about that. You said, we are we willing to practice social distancing to protect other people, like the most yeah. vulnerable? Are we... Are we willing to not hoard stuff and, but instead give to people who need stuff? Yeah. Are we willing to reach out to those in our lives who are lonely? And just a side note on that, we've been taking this, uh, grace church survey once a week where we're essentially asking friends of the pod and people who attend grace church, how are you doing? How's your family? How, how do you feel we are doing as a community? How can we, how can we care for you right now? And one of the questions has stood out to me since we took it or since we've taken it like two or three weeks now. And that's that uh, one of the questions on there is, do you have somebody in your life that you can count on no matter what happens right now? And almost 50% of grace people say that they do not have someone in their life that they can count on no matter what during coronavirus stuff. And so when you challenged us, reach out, are we willing to reach out to those in our lives and our community who are lonely and isolated. Like there's a lot more people even in our own church body that we, that we may, there's more people than we think. I think. Wow. That is so convicting and challenging. Immediately people come to mind that I might think have somebody like, Oh yeah, they, they, they have somebody, but maybe they don't. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. And uh, dying to ourselves is basically like, it's basically us in the courtyard with Peter looking the other way. Like that, that kind of brings it home. Dying to myself looks like, uh, like it's, it's the opposite of what Peter was doing basically. Right. right. And so you, the final question you asked is what are you willing to give up to, to heal the world? And it's so easy to, to, to zero in on like, what's happening to me and my nuclear family right now? Like, how do we stay safe? How do we hunker down? How do we, whatever. But the thought of giving stuff up right now to, to better the world is so important, but it's also like, it's not, it's not natural, right? It's not a natural thing for people to think about, especially right. Like right now in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. It's uh, and especially when when it's like out of sight, out of mind, if you're able to just if you have the privilege of being able to seclude yourself completely and just have access to the Internet, whatever you want to see, like you don't have to see other people. You don't have to see people who are lonely. You actually have to mentally think about it to put them in your mind because yeah. you're not going to bump into them, you know, and, and that's something I struggle with sometimes because I just put my head down and power through week, you know, day after day, meeting after meeting, trying to get all these things done. And, and I, I realized like, wow, I, there are many individuals in my life that I haven't been thinking about because I haven't, they haven't been in front of me. And so, um, I imagine yeah. you multiply that multiply for every that person at grace person who's self distancing right now. And yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it takes an extra amount of energy and effort to actually say, yeah, I'm going to think about those and communicate with those in my life that, that are alone. So, yeah. Well, thanks for giving that message. It's, it's an important one right before, right before Easter, because Easter's, I mean, you, you kind of said it like everybody in this story, except Jesus didn't know what was coming. Right. Like nobody knew it, but we friends of the pod 
we know it. Like we know what what's happening next weekend. And so, um, this is Dave's, this is going to be Dave's last Easter as senior yeah, pastor, right? right? Yeah. His last Easter um, message, which I think he's going to reference, gonna but reference, it's got to be very surreal. Yeah. I'm fascinated to hear what he's thinking or feeling right now. Um, but after that, what are we, what are we doing? What are we, what's next? Yeah. So after Easter, we're starting a four week series. We are going to go ahead and, uh, cancel the series that we were going to do, which I was looking forward to, but it's not the right time. Uh, It was going to be called tidying up. And we were going to talk about, you know, uh, how to have an uncluttered life and mental, spiritual life. (laughs) Oh, well, that's gone. So we're not doing that. We're instead going to be doing a four week series called what now, uh, faith when nothing's normal anymore. And it's going to be essentially us addressing some of the major, some of the major emotional realities that we're facing right now. Um, uncertainty and, uh, and fear and just sadness and lament. Like we're, we're going to talk about how scripture guides us in responding to these different things. And so, um, yeah, it's going to be, it'll be hopefully really, really fruitful for people in this time as we try to, um, engage our hearts because I, I mean, you guys, I'm sure feel the same way I do, but you know, one week of social distancing is interesting and, you know, unique and you get through it two weeks. It's like, Oh, okay. Well, yeah, this is, this is kind of tough. Four weeks. You're like, man, I am, this is starting to wear me out. And then man, five weeks, six weeks, um, two months like this, this is, we need, we need some more, uh, some more ammunition in our belt to, <laughs> to prepare our hearts for this long haul. Cause it's not a sprint. This is a marathon. So that's what the series is going to be about. It's going to be about. And, and part of it, I mean, we may have thought of it anyways, but a lot of it came out of asking the congregation, like, what do you want to hear from us right now? And like you said, we had a, we had something completely different planned and we may have planned something different, but responding directly to coronavirus is what a lot of people want to want to hear from Grace Church right now. So I'm glad we're doing it. Yes. Yes. Um, Okay. So speaking of the survey, that's out again this week. I think it's up on Facebook or you got an email from Barry uh, on Monday that we encourage you to fill that out. Let us know how you're doing, how your family's doing. Let us know how we can uh, join with you and, and, and caring for you, whether that's practically or pastorally. Uh, and then we're doing a prayer gathering again. That's t- tonight though, right? It's tonight, Wednesday. It's tonight, Wednesday. And it's going to be at your house. Yeah, it'll be here. I'll be, I'll be. Everybody go to Barry's. Just (laughs) kidding. Don't go there. All welcome on Grace's live stream. So (laughs) yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be different. We're going to start kind of a a new format for it. That'll probably last a little longer than trying to have to put on a full live, you know, service in the auditorium every single week. So yeah, it'll be be good. good. That's seven o'clock Wednesday night, right? That's right. That's right. Cool. All right. Well, I anticipate looking forward to Easter. Well, that's kind of saying the same thing. I anticipate looking forward to. <laughs> uh, I look forward to to Easter because I know both of you guys are there, and it's weird. I haven't, I mean, been in your guys' presence in a bunch a bunch of weeks, but I do enjoy getting to talk to you like this, and I'll enjoy getting to watch you on screen again this weekend. And I know everybody else will at Grace Church as well. So. Thanks for your involvement and thanks for serving, continuing. And Marin, thanks for your work, like in the care center and 
jumping in and serving these shifts. And I know that that's like super important to you to, to be a part of. And, uh, Barry, thanks for leading us through this. Like we are, we are being led by, by you right now and how we're reacting, how we're responding. And so I I really appreciate your guys's commitment to this community. So thank you. You're you're welcome. (laughs) I I, I say thanks to both of you. I, I came into the care center through a different door that I don't usually go in. And it was a pathway that allowed me to see the stockpile of food that we have. And it's kind of cool because mm-hmm. there's just crates and boxes, floor to ceiling, all the way over your head. And yeah. it's an awe-inspiring thing to know that I am serving in a church where something like this predates coronavirus. This isn't just a reaction to a problem. This is an ongoing commitment to serving and to providing and being, being the hands and feet of Jesus. So I love my church. Yeah. It's who we, it's who we are. Thank you guys for for helping to make us that church and to keep us that church. Thank you. Yeah. Right back at you. Love fest guys. One big love fest. Miss (laughs) y'all. All All right. So we will, uh, we'll be back next week. We'll see you at Easter, but Marin, even though you can't hear this, will you please send us out? Sure. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And we'll see you on the other side of Sunday. 